AlienLegacy.html is brought to you by the fine folks at the Cage Club Network. For all things movies, media, music, comics, and more, check out CageClub.me. That's CageClub.me. Hey everybody, I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And this is evidently Predator Show, the movie show where we talk about the Predator movie show, which is not Alien, and I just don't like it as much, but fine, fine, fine. It had Lawrence Fishburne and I like This is our third Predator-led film, but really our fifth Predator film, as we have discussed, Alien vs. Predator really feels more like Predator movies that have special guest appearances by Xenomorphs. But here we are with 2010's Predator. Starring Adrian Brody for some reason. Before we talk about Adrian Brody and his HGH physique for this film, yeah, I want to step in for a moment and say I'm now imagining this sort of like backstage war where originally this was going to be a Predator film and they couldn't believe it, but they got Xenomorph to guest cameo and they didn't just get Xenomorph, they got Xeno Queen. And Xeno Queen was like, no, I need a bigger trailer. And the Predators were like, no, we get the biggest trailer. And so the deal they came up with is the three predators three trailers each come to a space larger than the queen's one trailer but the queen has the single largest trailer and she's kind of like in my head she's kind of like prince but she's queen right and the predators i guess i kind of see the predators like a hemsworth family maybe from like the predator equivalent of australia are they australian or new or kiwi which one are they australian terrific so i imagine they're from sort of like the predator equivalent of australia it's a very oceanic kind of vibe. They're like normally surfer guys. They're very laid back. They're very crunchy granola. And so all of this hence is going... The, hence the dreads. Oh, absolutely. So all of this is going on backstage. And the queen is like trying not to throw her weight around, but like she's trying to kind of be like, I was haunting space multiple times before you guys ever had a single film. And, you know, she's also about family because her kids are in all of her films, all of them. And I just feel like there is like a Verdon Foss kind of Ryan Murphy kind of story to be told here and I I want to see it I want to see that film and then maybe we can do a spin-off of Mommy Dearest and maybe Three Predators and A Little Martian and I just feel like there's a lot more film franchise crossover potential TV adapt Disney Plus Disney Plus would love something like this. This is a board fodder. I really think that if Disney were to lean into this, and I mean really lean into it, you've got to fall over. But I mean, if Disney were to really, 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 really lean, they could just decide of get away with it. And there you have it. Man, you have a sense of style that I cannot duplicate. And you have a sense of style that you cannot duplicate. And that's pretty cool. So, while that's potentially where the Alien vs. Predator franchise could have gone, we're still here to talk about Predators. 
So, so Kevin, Kevin, talk to me about the BTS for this film. Oh, because you need a minute? Because there's nothing else to talk about. These movies are just like, they're just Rube Goldberg murder machines. They're just kill everybody and like, this time, okay, because like, part, oh, because part of it is like, you have this amazing knack for getting my sense of humor so well, and you coined the term Xenogal to represent sort of that final woman in the Alien franchise, and I feel like we can call it a Predaguy, the guy that survives to fight the Predator in the end, the Predaguy. Or Predadude or something, yeah. And we've discussed how the Xenogal is always some sort of tragic figure, and it's usually Ripley, and and there have been shades of other people in that role, see, like Lex, who was tremendous. But but you're asking me to transfer the title of Preda Guy from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Adrian Brody, and I'm just having a hard time with it because he's just like a foot in the sort of fairy tale video. The thought was that he should have more of a realistic soldier's build, and that Schwarzenegger's is uh fairly unrealistic in terms of what you would see in the actual average soldier but yeah if you stack them side by side it is a little less imposing on the adrian brody side for sure i'm really glad to hear that one of the focuses on the set of predators was realism Yes, well, Predators itself was actually a project that had nearly started about 15 years earlier. Producer Robert Rodriguez, who is the director of the Mexico trilogy, El Mariachi, Desperado, and Once Upon a Time Inn, as well as From Dawn Till Dusk, and developing its television adaptation, The Faculty, a portion of Sin City, The Spy Kids films, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, and most recently, Alita Battle Angel. Okay, wait, so when you got to the, when you got to the faculty, I was like, wait. The faculty? Alright, well, maybe. And then you said Taylor Lautner Childhood Star Vehicle Shark Boy and Lava Girl? I did. Or is it Shark Girl and Lava Boy? No, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. You got it right the first time. Don't worry. Oh, thank goodness. I would hate to get that wrong. So, Robert Rodriguez directed that? Yes, he did. Paycheck. Got it. Pretty much. He wrote a treatment for Predators with where he thought the franchise should go in 1994 while working on Desperado. So the original treatment for the third Predator film opened with an antiquated galleon sailing across an unidentified ocean and an aged Dutch being captured by cloaked figures armed with Predator armor and weaponry, revealing themselves to be human soldiers who take him aboard their spacecraft. Already not sure how this follows the first movie, but sure. After standing trial and being found guilty of various crimes, he is sentenced to be sent to a prison planet rather than return to Earth, with his begrudging captors being paid double their fee to transport him. Upon arrival at the prison planet, they find the outpost at the landing site is destroyed and deserted, and traveling to the prison complex on foot, they come across a crucified predator, hmm, before being ambushed by dozens of the alien hunters. Some of these soldiers are killed, but most, though not Dutch, are captured and placed in cages around a central arena. Here, immature predators fight with prey as a rite of passage into maturity. While a female soldier named Hardwick escapes, meeting up with Dutch in the jungle, the captives deduce from seeing the predators use 
rescues an antique French guillotine that mankind must have been secretly trading with the predators for some time. I, I don't know how they make that leap of logic, but sure, let's just press forward. You know what I would love? I would love a first Wives Club remake starring the Predator trilogy from my previous pitch. Uh, so after finding that their ship is gone, Dutch and Hardwick return to free the captives and the soldiers flee. Hardwick faces off against a predator who she defeats before being defeated by like 10 predators. The remaining survivors journey to the prison facility only to find the officer who sent them on their mission who reveals that the predators have been trading advanced weaponry for human victims. Dutch was viewed as a special prize after the events of the first Predator movie. Dutch and the leader of the soldiers release the crucified predator proposing that it will be an ally against the other predators who are a common enemy. Meanwhile, the rest of the predators hunt down the escaped prisoners, one of whom is cooking and eating a predator he has defeated over an open fire, while another defeats the biggest, baddest predator in single combat before being butchered by the others, much like Hardwood was. Dutch and the lead soldier are captured and brought before the Predator King, who sits atop a throne of skulls, and the lead soldier reveals himself to have been in league with the predators all along, only to ultimately be betrayed and forced to fight Dutch to the death. As Dutch then prepares to face death at the hand of the predators that surround him, the crucified predator returns in a spacecraft firing on the camp. Dutch kills the king and boards the spaceship and the two escape, while Dutch somberly realizes that a full-scale invasion of Earth is inevitable. So I guess that's meant to lead into a potential Predator 4? I don't know. I guess it probably would have been called Predator Resurrection? Predator the fourth power? What's the fourth power? What is that called? It's cubed and then rectangled? Quadded. Yeah, Predator Predator Quadded, I guess. So you can see in a lot of ways where many parts of this pitch made it into the film like now i'm seeing predator cast in dream girls and you could put the xeno queen in the eddie murphy role because it's kind of like a dream boys kind of like new edition kind of take on it with a gender swap well now you know there's a predator king so you can say the predator king is in the eddie murphy role yeah i like that too Ooh, the sound of music with a bunch of predator children <gasps> and the predator queen is maria and the predator king is Von Trapp. Because you know the Predator King was a response to there being an alien queen. You just know it. There has to be some sort of Predator equivalent of Edelweiss. I don't want to hear it. many parts of the original pitch made it into the final film, such as the central theme of humans being captured by predators and used as prey on an alien planet, the inclusion of non-human prey like the insectoid alien that attacks the group before being killed by Lawrence Fishburne, the early templates for the berserker predator and the crucified predator, as well as the role the latter plays in the film, but this script was much grander in scale, requiring more than 50 predators, as well as a larger group of humans and non-human prey alike. It wasn't until 15 years later after unearthing Rodriguez's script that 20th Century Fox executive Alex Young reached out to consider using his treatment to revive the Predator franchise. Well, and with all the changes to Predator actor law by that point, I mean, the Predator's actors union had lost so much power due to intergalactic war and space treaties. You're cute. Apart from producer Robert Rodriguez and the composer John Debney, who we've mentioned on this show before, there aren't really any 
many huge notable figures behind the scenes on this film. John Debney had worked with Rodriguez before on Spy Kids, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, and Sin City. He had also done additional music for a little film called Looney Tunes Back in Action. That that movie sounds a little familiar on this segment of the show, doesn't it? I'm starting to think that that movie is part of some sort of intergalactic space curse. I don't disagree. At the time of this movie, John Debney had just done the score for Hannah Montana the movie, Valentine's Day, and Iron Man 2. I kind of can't believe all of those go all at the same time, and what a weird spread of films to have done all right on top of another. Right? Plus this one. Writers Alex Litvak and Michael Finch had been hired to do rewrites on Rodriguez's concept. This is their only co-writing venture and first major screenplay for both. The only other screenplay on Alex Litvak's side is 2011's The Three Musketeers, and the only other major film of note under Michael Finch was co-writing 2017's American Assassin. That was the Dylan O'Brien vehicle? Yes. That thing ran out of gas. A little bit, yeah. The director was a guy whose name looks like Nimrod, but it has an accent over the O, so it's Nimrod, I guess, and tall. Uh, his first major work was writing and directing the 2003 Hungarian comedy thriller film Control about subway train ticket inspectors, which won numerous awards, sure. In 2007, he directed horror film Vacancy, starring Kate Beckinsale and Luke Wilson, and then in 2009, directed heist action thriller Armored, starring Matt Dillon, Gene Reno, Lawrence Fishburne, Skeet Ulrich and Milo Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia. My little Ventimiglia. It's only pronounced Ventimiglia in Linux. Antal went on to direct the 2013 3D Metallica concert movie Metallica Through the Never and an episode of Wayward Pines in 2015. His last work so far was another Hungarian film in 2017, an action movie about infamous Hungarian bank robber Attila Ambrose called The Whiskey Robber. Have you heard of this guy, by the way? This might be one of the most fascinating things I've ever uncovered in one of my tangents on this show. The director or the whiskey robber? The whiskey robber. No, I have haven't. This is not ancient history. This guy committed these robberies in the 90s and did this while working a day job as a hockey goaltender. Attila was something of an infamous folk hero symbolic of the times in the decade after the introduction of capitalism to the former communist state. He only turned 52 last week and his prison sentence for his crime lasted from 2000 to 2012. Uh, and my favorite part of all was that on his Wikipedia article in the little corner profile box under title it says bank robber. Bank robber hockey player, I think you should also get the title of People's Hero. Yeah, and apparently, so does the nation of Hungary. I might need to check out the whiskey robber now, but I guess in the meantime, we'll talk about Predators. This movie begins with Adrian Brody plummeting to his death, and I feel like that's an apt metaphor. It was quite an engaging way to start a film, I have to give them that. And it's pretty interesting that the entire film then takes place on this alien planet. We don't see anything to do with Earth. In that regard, this film was a welcome change to the, I don't want to say necessarily redundant format of the Predator franchise, because I don't know that the Predator franchise was ever really franchised franchisey enough to be a franchise like having gone back and watched these movies predator 2 was kind of dumb and other than avp if you take out predator 2 what was the other predator movie for like 30 years 
Yeah, a lot of people who were creatively involved with this film feel very strongly that this should be viewed as a sequel to Predator and that Predator 2 should be mostly ignored, like from Robert Rodriguez to the director to Topher Grace, apparently. Like, yeah. Well, I'm really glad to know what Venom thinks about this movie. I know, right? I didn't want to not like him in this movie because I don't ever want to hold against him the fact that he's Topher Grace, but unlike Danny Trejo and Mahershala Ali who when I see them I shout their name out because they are so recognizable them it's easier to accept as other characters I feel like they surrender to the role a little bit more fully yeah yeah and it doesn't help that much of the movie is spent drawing attention to the fact that Topher Grace seems like he doesn't belong here this came out around the same time as Prometheus and one of the things that Prometheus hoped you would say is well, they're not going to do that over and over again. And maybe it's just that the timing of the films is so similar that there were similar things going on in movies. But this was another film where I felt like they were like, don't assume the obvious thing. Don't assume the obvious thing. And then we're like, no, here's the obvious thing. We fucked up with you. It's really funny. haha. Although I will say the one that I think they played pretty well, even though I had read the wiki summary, so I knew it was coming in terms of plot. I didn't think that the ultimate reveal that they were on another planet was too clunky. A lot of times it's very much so. And a lot of times, yeah, it's very. And the planet didn't know it was the president's dead daughter the entire time. Yeah, kind of exactly. They didn't miss any obvious signs before ultimately seeing the full sky or anything like that. It all played out pretty well. And it was pretty much the most engaging Predator film. As far as all of the ones that I've watched so far. I agree. I would probably put this in second place of the Predator 5 we've watched so far. And considering there's only six Predator movies, the worst this can be is slightly above average. It's true. Unfortunately, I did still suffer from a lot of the pratfalls of the films that came before it, like clunky dialogue and weird character motivations. I loved the character of Isabel being like, I've never seen this jungle and I've seen most. Like, I think if what they were trying to go for was hinting that this could be an alien planet. They should have done something like I've never seen vegetation like this before, but she kind of made it sound like I've seen all the jungles. I know where the trees go. I know which rock is where. I'm actually friends with all of the fraggles, including Goldberg, the forgotten Jewish fraggle. Okay, sure. Why not? I also love the part where Topher Grace identifies the chemical on the plant. Like, hello, yes, I am a medical doctor who can recognize alien chemicals on site using only a scalpel. It was a very scientific procedure. There are a lot of really weird leaps of logic, and I don't know, are we supposed to like Adrian Brody's character of Royce? I think a lot of the characters are supposed to be mysterious and confusing and fascinating, and I don't know. For my sake, it didn't come together the way they wanted it to. I frequently found myself interested, but I never found myself fully giving over to the film. I would agree with that. I think another hurdle when it comes to films like this is the fact that a lot of the plot and the circumstances that the characters find themselves in, they sort of have to make intuitive leaps because the people that they are up against can't communicate their intentions to the audience directly. That is one of the most unique things about these Predator films. Nobody really trusts anybody, so it's a lot of characters internalizing things and enemies that can't say what they're thinking. Pretty much. I was also really disappointed that the first two characters to die were then 
Danny Trejo and Mahershala Ali. Like, in 2010, really? And while I don't know that either one of them was the largest name in the film at the time, considering Adrian Brody was already Adrian Brody, I think it says something that those two very recognizable faces didn't spend that much time in this film. I think they were probably the most recognizable after Adrian Brody, who is the lead of the film. The most recognizable after the three of them would be Lawrence Fishburne, who is also in a limited amount of movie. And weird? I don't know. The film really slowed down for a while there. I was engaged enough to, like, be interested for a while, but especially around the time that Lawrence Fishburne's weird Gollum character held them captive, I was just really struggling to get through. And then the Hanso guy faces his predator down with a katana and a field of long grass. Are you kidding me with some of this stuff? And I'm only really pointing that out because, like, I don't think the Russian guy did anything stereotypically extra Russian when he was facing his predator, you know? And then the woman is the voice of kindness in the entire movie, which is a little reductive. And that so much of the film boils down to, in the end, there was nothing subtle about the metaphor of, we're all the predators. It was very on the nose. One by one, everybody revealed that they were a murderer. It was just so crawling toward its inevitable conclusion. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think the ending made any sense. I think the ending is just essentially they're going to, if they survive at all, probably just become like the Lawrence Fishburne character. I don't know that they have a chance to ever get off the planet. I was confused used by the introduction of humans who had spaceships in the Predator's spec script by Rodriguez, but at least in that, I could believe that human survivors would be able to make their way off of this weird hunting planet. But Royce and Isabel don't know anything about spacecrafts. They can try, but, you know, realistically, they shouldn't be able to fly a spaceship and modern audience now expect that sort of believability in their science fiction. We still enjoyed things like a human being able to run in a spaceship and fly it like it's got a steering wheel for a while, but now we expect more. I don't know that I expected more at all, but I certainly wanted better. This movie was over the top, every metaphor was heavy-handed, there was nothing subtle, and in a lot of ways, I feel like I kind of lost who the Predators were. There's a fine line where when a director begins to put their mark on a franchise like J.J. Abrams is just sort of like cookies and cream enough that whenever J.J. Abrams puts that J.J. Abrams touch on things it's usually a lens flare and a really creative soundtrack but it doesn't really tamper with the chemistry of the franchise same with Joss Whedon but when you introduce a Robert Rodriguez it completely transforms the project I can't help but wonder how much of this is a Robert Rodriguez Predator film as opposed to an actual Predator film. Kind of like that rumored Quentin Tarantino Star Trek we're supposedly getting. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of hard to believe that the franchise goes significantly down from here, where many people consider the most recent entry in the film to be the worst. I'm not sure that I'm excited about that. No, I'm not either. I'm curious, knowing that it has yet another MCU connection in director Shane Black, so I'm interested to see what the film looks like based on that. I have expected it to take place at Christmas, but who knows? Well, we do get the Predator holiday special in the form of a DVD extra that we will 
be discussing in our next Predator episode, but before then, we have the likes of Prometheus, as well as some other amazing entries in the Alien franchise. And Prometheus takes place at Christmas, so there's that. And until we can next love the one we're with, Kevo, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Kevo Reilly, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. You can also find me on the Facebook page for this lovely program, Husbands Talking More or Less, at Real Nico Kevo Action, which is the handle for our joint Instagram and Tumblr, while our joint Twitter is at Real Nico Kevo Ack, A-C-K. You can also find the super fun, super cool, super inclusive superhero stories that we've been producing for, wow, just about five years now, over at KidRiotComics.com. Nico, where can the folks find you? You guys can find me all over this network on shows like Now and Again, which I do with my childhood best friend, Chris Podcast, where we talk about the Now, that's what I call music series. You can also find me over on X's for Podcasts, the show where we talk about the Uncanny X-Men comic book franchise, as well as the more recent titles like Dawn of X, and a little bit of Thor in there too, just to be well-rounded. Don't forget you can check me out over on Instagram at NicoAction, where I am pretty much always shirtless, and we can't wait to come back and talk more Alien, and until then, no one can hear you Predator and... Well, you know what? What about Clueless? What about a Predator as Cher, and the... No, Queen as Cher, and then a Predator as Dion? Whatever, as long as I never have to hear the song Long Tall Sally by Little Richard ever again, I'm happy. Woo! Woo!